Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Rob Black sitting in for CFP Chad Burton. Thanks for listening to the show. New focus on wealth. Always fascinated to uh, sit in for him because it presents a different challenge for me. Instead of talking about creating wealth, we're talking about focusing on preserving it. I'm going to do a little bit of both today. Um, Let's start with some emails. You can always drop an email to Chad, chad at chadburton.com or chad at epwealth.com. I don't know. That's right. Scratch that. Chat at chatburton.com. Got a good one a couple days ago from a listener who was asking about Roblox. And Margaret writes, heard a few times you mentioned Roblox. I want to invest in this. Is now the time or should I wait six months to see if they sell off? It's a great question. Roblox is a California-based company, Northern California, that did come public in one of those SPAC deals where you don't really go through the vetting process as much as you find a company that has a blank check, and then you say, hey, ta-da, we're public. Um, You just wake up very, very wealthy as a company. One of the things I first say immediately is I legally can't tell you buy, sell, or hold. I can say things like my personal strategy when it comes to IPOs is something along the lines of scaling in. You want to buy a little bit now and a little bit later. When a stock is supposed to IPO at $45 and it's suddenly at $70, you're like, whoa, that feels a little bit off. I would never put more than 5% of my wealth in any one name. I would admit that the company is expensive before going in and that it could sell off. And that's why you're only doing half a position. They're going to have some really tough comparisons in the year ahead as we go back to school. Roblox is a video game platform for pre-teen, for maybe the six-year-old to nine-year-old crowd that wants to have some social media elements where you and a friend could build a theme park, roller coasters. You and a friend could build a pizza delivery business. The numbers are staggering, but the numbers are also a little bit goosed because of the pandemic. And also right now, it's not lost on me that there's a lot of IPOs out there, a lot of new public companies. Um, And that's one of the problems that Wall Street runs into every now and then. What might have happened in 2000 that led to the tech crash, too many IPOs came out. And for many of us who we owned names like Yahoo and Google for the first time ever, Then suddenly you're getting 
MySpace and you're getting left and right and left and right different companies trying to say, well, we are digital cities. One day America will be connected with digital cities where you can buy and sell all your goods, which didn't quite work out like that, but that was the idea. So if you like a company, I, I'm more important to me, I'd rather you have all your money in index funds or exchange traded funds. And then once you get up to $100,000, maybe your next 10000 goes into one company. But in this case, I would be saying it's along the lines of 50, 50, 5000 for the first three months, and then 5000 no matter where it is, higher or lower. Picking a great company is a great idea. Picking a, a name that you like is a wonderful idea. And for instance, some of my holdings are names like Nike and Disney. Um, Apple. Well-known, well-traveled names. And I'm holding them for the long term. Because in the short term, things like GameStop can happen. Or CBS Viacom. CBS Viacom down 30 40% in one day. Because a hedge fund was borrowing money and buying derivatives. And they get the margin call. And they have to sell at a, a price they don't want to sell. Of course they wanted to make money if it went up. It didn't go up. It went sideways. So that's my thought is if you buy a company for the long term, any short-term news, like Roblox, not Roblox, excuse me, GameStop, going from $3 a share to $420 a share to $140, $170, $110, depending on the day, it's bouncing around like crazy. If you bought it at 4 you probably said, I'm going to probably hold it till it hits 10 but if you bought it at four and you didn't know what you were doing, you could get yourself caught up in quite a mess. Or if you bought it at 400 Someone bought it at $400 a share. That's the shocking, sad truth. And then it goes down to 100 They don't know what to do. So I would just say, again, great names. You're not going to be able to do the professional research. You should try. If you have a mutual fund with Vanguard or Fidelity or if you have an account a lot of brokerage firms give you free research. So if you really like Roblox, don't just listen to a radio show and say, hey, I'm done. I did my homework. Go to a paid service or go to a service that your brokerages provide you and pull the lever, so to speak. 800-516-1220 if you ever want to call the show. Got another email from um, a grandma, which is part of the question. I have two grandchildren, a girl five years old and a boy three years old. I have $20,000 for each of them. I want to it to grow so that they have money for college or et cetera. I just don't know where to put it now so that it can grow. I would say typically the S&P 500 type fund or index. That's going to get you some diversification on the level. Preferably, you would add something like maybe a Russell 3000, which is truly diversified and not market-weighted. Or Wilshire 5000, which is not quite as sexy and dramatic as the S&P 500 as well, as far as popularity goes. So she has two grandchildren, $20,000 each for them, wants it to grow. I, and I, I go, for, check out a website called savingforcollege.com, savingforcollege.com. And even before I did that, I would talk to the parents. So the grandparents, she goes, I kind of want it for their college or et cetera. And I'm like, uh-oh, what if the parents don't want their kids to have $40,000, $50,000, $60,000 when they turn 18. 
you have to talk to the parents. I believe you're looking for a 529 plan as the vehicle to save. You can learn more at savingforcollege.com. Pretty good website. As far as the $20,000, um, it's the gas. The 529 is the vehicle for getting you to retirement. At savingforcollege.com, you kind of learn that 529 plans are kind of like IRAs for college. An IRA is an individual retirement account, a savings account for retirement. A 529 plan is a saving account for college. If you use it on school expenses, you don't get taxed. If the first kid and you get it, it, it let's say your granddaughter's name is uh, Jane. If you get it for Jane and she doesn't go to college, then her brother, Jack, could use the money. Even if it's entitled in her name? Yeah. And if, let's say, Jack and Jane don't go to college, they go up the hill, the mom could use it. Someone in the family could use it, which is nice. Uh, $20,000 should grow into about $50,000, dollars $70,000. It's a very generous thing to do, but there are no guarantees. You can also call someone like an 800 Vanguard or 800 Fidelity and say, hey, I have some grandkids. Can you help me walk through this? And they'll help you. And last thing I'll say is I wish she was my grandmother because no one put $20,000 in a college account for me at age three or five. And it would have been a game changer, a life changer for sure. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. You can find CFP Chad Burton at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. I have a very common sense approach to investing and accumulating wealth. I'm not using fancy spreadsheets. I'm not using a talking dog and or computer algorithm. I I do look at numbers and I do look at history and I do look at product. I do look at management. I do look at year to year, quarter to quarter, month to month um, product announcements. It's rumored this year that Apple's going to give their big product update in June, maybe because there's a global semiconductor shortage. I'm not sure. But typically, they wait till the fall with back to school. Something's going on, and that makes me more nervous than positive. Except for maybe when they launched their 5G. Since then, they've figured out ways of making it a little bit better. They want a little bit longer runway on the second version of their 5G phones and products. One of the things I like to do on the show is try to find relatables for you. One of the people that I like, I dislike Susie Orman. I'm okay with Jim Cramer. I like Mark Cuban. Not for me, but for you. Those three people, what I just said, not for me, but for you. What I do is similar in vain to um, none of them. Cramer was an ex-hedge fund guy who lied and manipulated CNBC to move his positions. I have no respect for that. But do I like the fact that some things that come out of his mouth are smarter than others? Yeah. I don't really like anything that comes out of Susie Orban's mouth. And Mark Cuban, I just think, is relatable. He owns the Dallas Mavericks. He's a successful investor. He sold his business in 1990 to CompuServe, and then he earned 
after that a $5.9 billion paycheck when he sold his streaming service broadcast.com to Yahoo in 1999. So he's kind of been there, done that. I He's done enough. So a couple things that I like about him is he talks a lot. One of the things he recently said is be a little bit of a risk taker. I get it. You stay in cash, is it going to grow? Nope. You don't go into the market, is it going to grow? Nope. He explains that it's possible to save a million dollars, but only if you're disciplined and take risks. It gets a little bit easier. It's about bettering your future. Next thing that he says about taking a little bit of a risk, cash is no risk, stock markets are a risk. He said, only invest up to 10% of risky investments. If you do take the risks, limit the amount you contribute. If you're a true adventurer and you really want to throw the Hail Mary, you might take a 10% and put it in Bitcoin or Ethereum. But if you do that, you've got to pretend you've already lost your money. I like that mentality, the the casino mentality. Um, So risk is okay, and you do need it to succeed, but not too much. In an exclusive interview with Young Money, Cuban offered the general investing advice and then followed the statement by, the idiots that tell you to put money in the market because eventually it will go up need to tell you that because they are trying to tell you something. So what I'm picking up from that is he's cautious on the people who tell you what to like and not like. He thinks investors believe the stock market is a ticket to wealth. Others believe the market is too risky and volatile. Your stock could be profitable one day, yet it takes one downturn to lose it all. Those who put money in CDs sleep well at night and definitely have more money today than they did yesterday. Um, What he's trying to say there is, again, be careful throwing the Hail Mary. Be careful with the risky stock. Be careful being a stock picker. My career is littered with mistakes. Where fortunately I had the revenue to overcome any mistakes that I made. <clears throat> he wants you to save six months of income, emergency fund. If you don't like your job, at some point you're going to get fired. <laughs> Is it fair that I don't like my job or should I be careful what I say? Be careful what you say, Rob. Um, but an emergency fund's not the worst idea in the world. If you want to dabble in the market, Cuban advises doing so safely to minimize your risk. If you find a way to invest inexpensively in the market, you can start to build your net worth, and that's index funds and ETFs. He's, he's scourging the individual stock because, in his mind, you're probably not a certified financial analyst. A chartered financial analyst, you probably not have the skill sets to review a company's financials. A couple other thoughts out there. Don't let fear be a roadblock. No, this gets a little bit bit repetitive. It does not. But is repetitive bad? In the case of constant reminders of what to do and what not to do investing, I don't think it's bad. Cuban shared his statement on how to win at sports. If I can't do it, you can do it. Fear is a natural feeling. But it's also one of the worst enemies to success. I agree. Greed and fear are awful. Now, again... That, he's not too far away from an old Warren Buffettism, huh? 
when others are greedy, be fearful, be fearful when others are greedy, or be greedy when others are fearful, be fearful when others are greedy. Buffett doesn't say it quite as well in my mind, because I wish that were completely true. But I'm with Mark Cuban and Warren Buffett on this one. Don't let fear like stifle you. Be a smart shopper. Uh, buying a stock at a 52-week high means there's no 15% off. Having cash creates transitional returns, encouraging analyzing how much you spend over the course of a year and then suggested taking that cash quantity and discounts and getting a better return on your money. So you can save money in a variety of ways, even when it comes to investing. There's, I'm not going to say there's always a market correction, but if markets were always at 52-week highs, that'd be a problem, right? He said, never, ever take third-party advice on investments, and we'll, I'll give you a great one on that one. When I watch CNBC, I, I, I used to refer to it as financial pornography. But out of deference of growing up and trying to be more mature, I'll, I'll call it infotainment. This show should be treated as infotainment unless you're a client. I talk a lot about investing. Chad talks a lot about investing. But he knows his clients intimately well. You can find him at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. So be careful who you're taking advice from. And if you've never met the person, you're just watching them on CNBC, Bloomberg, or listening to them on radio, that's probably not the greatest idea. For instance, in my 20s, what was risky is different than in my 60s. And if, let's say, I say right now, oh, here's a risky investment, you may go, well, when he was 20, he made me a lot of money. But you're starting to lose the perspective. And I don't have any clue who you are, how old you are, what your time frame is, what risk suitability is, if you're going to get an inheritance. I don't know if you've got four children, all of like Tiny Tim, and like they're going to need assistance in the, in the future. Tiny Tim is the, the uh, Scrooge reference. Old Ebenezer, one of my favorite people in literature for the ability that he was rich and kept it. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show. Find CFP Chad Burton at chadburton.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. So we're all pieced together as investors. I'm Rob Black sitting in for CFP Chad Burton. One of my goals was to not work until the day I die. I fortunately can say I can. I'm excited by that. Now I'm in my 50s. And as an investor, as a good friend of CFP Chad Burton, I have a financial planner with EP Wealth, man named Brad. One of our arguments, not arguments, arguments are just math. I don't look at them as negative. I look at them as positive. I'm trying to solve problems. One of our problems that we're trying to solve is where do I live in retirement? California is not the ideal state to retire in unless you have a lot of money and don't mind paying taxes. It's a pretty good state to die in, but it's not a great state to live in when it comes to death and taxes. <laughs> i got to be careful how I say that. Federal income tax deadline has been pushed back to May this year, right? So that always gets me going every year. Wait, wait, there's some states that don't pay income tax. 
And those are the ones that a lot of people talk about living in in retirement. Alaska, Florida, Nevada, New Hampshire, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Washington, Wyoming. But that's not the only reason to choose a place to live in retirement. And some of those places in retirement sound miserable. South Dakota, too much snow. New Hampshire, too much snow. Nevada's okay. I'm Florida's, I'm picking up. Alaska, new. I still have that image in my head that everyone who lives in Alaska lives in an igloo. Texas, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Washington State, too cold, too much snow. Wyoming, too cold. So out of this list, I'm looking at Texas, Tennessee, Nevada, and Florida. If that were my only concern. Fortunately or unfortunately, it's not. Now, Tennessee has the highest combined state sales tax rate in the nation, 9.5%. Washington State has one of the highest tax rates on gasoline in the nation. I'm not going to retire a lot in retirement, so I can probably – I'm not going to – drive a lot. So I could probably cross the gasoline concern off. And then there's electric vehicles and things like those, right? New Hampshire and Alaska rely the most on property taxes. Okay. So get a cheap place and retire. Like there's ways of managing all this, but you have to look at property taxes, sales taxes, gasoline taxes, estate taxes. Would I rather save hundreds by living in a no income state? Or save millions by dying in a no estate plan state. <laughs> I don't want to die, right? So you have to figure that out. Some states like South Dakota spends the lowest on education of all states at roughly $10,000 per pupil per year. The average school spending per pupil in the nation is about $12,600. Florida, Nevada, Tennessee, Texas all spend less than the average. So you're not really paying for your kid's education or you're not not paying for your kid's education. But the communities that you live in, do you want them to be more educated, normal education or less educated? There are some really serious ideas inside of income in retirement. Now, I want to talk a little bit about taxes because this year we get a little bit more tax time prepare. IRS started accepting and processing tax returns February 12th. Typically, you can do it through April 15th, but this year you get a file through May 17th. Some states have changed their due dates to May 17th as well. I don't know what state you're listening in, so consult a broker advisor for taking action on anything I ever mentioned. I have a certified public accountant, a CPA. Um, I've got real estate in Washington State. I have real estate in North Carolina, California. I got a primary home, I've got a secondary home. Uh, There's some complications there when it comes to filing my taxes, I hate it. I'm one of those people that's cliche. I wish that I was the employee making $80,000 a year who's single. And that's all I have to figure out on my deductions. But when you throw in kids, a spouse, and lots of property and a business, it gets a little bit more complicated. So the IRS is taking tax tax prepared statements right now. If I were average, i.e. maybe one, one spouse, I'm not a 
multi-spouse person, if it was just me and a spouse, I would probably use TurboTax or H&R Block. Um, not free, but I think they're the most robust and flushed out from the reviews I've read. I would probably, if I was really simple, like a college kid, I'd use Credit Karma Tax, which is the best free tax software. Um, best accuracy guarantee is a, a product called Tax Act. But I think for most of us, TurboTax or H&R Block, more than enough. Um, but again, if you're divorced, if you have multiple kids in different types of households, if you have multiple pieces of property, that's where I go, I'm just going to pay for someone to prepare this for me. That's, that's how I roll. I don't, I don't play games. Uh, Nike is in a little bit of heat right now. I own shares of Nike. I expect that I'll be able to give Nike to my children one day and that I'll never have to sell it. The Devil Wears Prada. This story has some crazy hair on it because Nike is a brand. When you think of Nike, you think of the swoosh, right? Rapper Lil Nas has designed a shoe that has a swoosh on it. But it's not a Nike shoe. So Lil Nas, I'm going to take that horse to the old town road. Um, he's collaborating with a streetwear company called Mischief, M-S-C-H-F, which tells you right there this is going to be kind of a brand story, right? To make a pair of Satan shoes. Only 666 pairs went on sale. Very limited. Instantly sold out. They're modified Nike Air Maxes. So they're Nike product that have been painted over. They've been decorated with a pentagram pendant and a reference to Luke 10, 18, which is a Bible verse about Satan's fall from heaven. I'll be honest with you. They're pretty cool looking sneakers. On the bottom of the feet is a little bit of like a uh, uh, Sistine Chapel kind of feel to it. It's got some classic art of basically people burning in hell. I don't know. I don't even know if I'm saying this right. Wait, is Nike going to sue? Oh, yeah, Nike's going to sue. But has the damage been done? A little bit. And ultimately what the, the, the shoe's saying, it doesn't take a genius to figure this one out, that Satan shoes are, are Nike shoes. Because Nike sneakers contain human blood in the mind of little Naz or in the... I'm not going to say conventional wisdom. The thought being Nike makes shoes overseas... And we know that overseas factories are sometimes less than humane to children and women. So their blood shoes is the idea. Idea Sold out immediately. They were priced at 1000 1018 a pair, which is tied towards the Bible verse, Luke 1018 on it. Again, I'm not making any massive commentary here other than to say the brand is kind of amazing and amazingly powerful to a corporation. When I think v, when I say Visa, what do you think? When I say America Online, what do you think? When I say Apple, what do you think? Apple's number one product is trust. We know that the ecosystem kind of all works well together. We know that our information is fairly private to the point that we've heard stories of criminals getting caught 
maybe shot in a police shootout. And the cop's trying to break into the phone and Apple says, we can't help you. We don't even know how to help you. Good luck. And it's that kind of trust that people feel comfortable with. Little Naz first appeared to come out in a tweet in June 2019 on the last day of Pride Month after a chart-topping success of Old Town Road. He pointed out a rainbow building on the cover of his album C7 Osier. Um, he goes, thought I made that obvious. <laughs> he threw in some other words there. But apparently, um, he's got a message, right? Rainbow on his album. Um, Souls that need saving in Nike shoes. I get it. Talking about brands yet again, though, right? 800-516-1220-DH calls on the air. I do like Nike as a long-term patient investor, even if Little Nas points out that they have problems. It's bizarre that I'm going to say this next statement because it's going to make me sound like I'm a horrible person and don't cancel me. Don't cancel me, bro. Don't tase me, bro. Um, I know Nike has problems, but as an investor, sometimes I have to put social investing aside. That's for me to decide with my money. For you to decide with your money is something different. Millennials are a more powerful dollar amount than Rob Black. Millennials don't like companies to do evil. And in fact, they like companies that do well. A company like a Warby Parker, when you see the commercials where if you buy a pair of glasses, we'll donate a pair of glasses to the kids in Africa. Millennials love that brand because they feel like their dollars are doing something. Nike, Blood Soldier, Blood Money, I get it. It's not up to me to decide how to spend your money. It's up to you to decide how to spend your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, sitting in for CFP Chad Burton. Find me online at Rob Black Show. Find Chad online at chadburton.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. This past week, and I was sitting around kind of wanting to escape, but movie theaters are open back up, but you have to have an appointment kind of thing. Um, and I was like, I can go see that Bob Odenkirk film, Nobody by Myself. It's too violent for the spouse, it's too violent for the kids, but I'm a big Bob Odenkirk fan, and it's a Universal Pictures thriller, and I'll be helping the economy, and I'll be showing confidence. And I was like, no, not quite yet. Two more weeks. I'm not quite ready to go to a movie theater, even wearing a mask, plastic bag, or whatever you think I have to wear to be safe. After I get one shot, I'll start thinking about it. After I get two shots, I'll definitely think about it. But I'm still not there. But I was stoked to see that um, Bob Odenkirk's Nobody reached the top spot in the box office, generating better than expected ticket sales, and ending the dominance of Walt Disney's Raya and the Last Dragon. Bob Kirk, Bob Odenkirk, I think he was a stand-up comedian kind of slap. I don't want to say slapstick guy, comedy duo. <clears throat> and he got cast as the lawyer in Better Call Saul and cast the lawyer, same character, um, <clears throat> for Breaking Bad. An amazing character and a well-written two sets of shows. Hopefully he wins many, many awards for his portrayal because it's pretty darn good. 
But he's now a man seeking revenge for a burglary, generating $6.7 million. That's a horrible score, but it's also going to be a John Wick-type franchise, I believe. Universal doesn't really do much for me other than to say, okay, that's Comcast. Comcast has got cable. they got NBC. they got the Olympics. they got theme parks. They've got a, a, a Mario Land in Japan. Uh, Mario, Super Nintendo kind of guy. Mario. Um, so there's a little something there in my head that I go, oh. But movie theaters reopened back in Los Angeles and New York, and they got the green light to resume operations after a year-long hiatus. Nobody considered probably not a big blockbuster when people envisioned it two, three years ago, pre-pandemic. But maybe it could sneak in on the success of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. And maybe it could be kind of a John Wick man who's 50 years old. Could be a star action figure as well as Dolph Lundgren. (laughs) I don't know. I'm I'm out of The Rock, maybe. I don't know. I don't know who action heroes are anymore. Sorry. But um, right around the corner, I I got really fascinated because this week I'm like, "Eh, I'm going to pass on a movie. Now I'm in a dilemma because Godzilla is coming out. And when you have two boys, you kind of want to go through that. When I was your age, I watched TV at 11 o'clock at night and Godzilla versus Mothra would come on. I know you're saying, Rob, I think it's called Mothra. No, it's called Mothra. And you were compelled. You're like, wait, wait, why are the Japanese? Are they, what's happening here? They're running around in the city. They're all going in all directions. The monster's stomping on city block after city block. And you know, inevitably, someone's going to get stepped on. And you're going to go, ooh, that looks like it hurts. That would be a bad way to go smooshed. But Godzilla vs. Kong coming out in theaters and on HBO Max. For, oh, the Justice League remake really worked for me. The first movie was awful. The second movie was pretty good. Or the second remake of it, Snyder Cut. And that was fascinating to watch because um, the first version had Wonder Woman losing to a, a terrorist and rethinking her career. The second one had her beating the terrorist. No woman would ever lose to a man. No Amazon would ever lose to a man. Different way of portraying woman, huh? I love it. We are getting a little bit more sense and sensibility as we're growing up as a society. It's just happening so fast. A lot of people are confused. Godzilla vs. Kong set to be released, but also on HBO Max. It is going to be a massive hit in China. 2020, 2021. Um, Tenet. That too is an HBO Max kind of play. HBO Max made about 122 million in foreign ticket sales across 56,777 screens. But now we're going to get Godzilla versus King Kong. And my kids were taking bets on who's going to win. Uh, so I cheated like a dad should do. And I got online and checked out the spoilers. And I know who's going to win. Does anyone want to know? Does anyone want to know? Does anyone want to know? So international box office has outperformed over the last couple of weeks than the U.S. We kind of want to get that back under control because it's a big business in the United States, the entertainment business. We're very good at it compared to other nations. Now, other nations have become very crafty at not being as big budget, which is something Netflix has taught us from some of the TV shows that they've released, that you can be entertained without a big budget superhero movie. 
But strangely, I'm looking forward to Kong versus Godzilla, and I just wish I had the courage to go to a movie theater right now. Because that's one, even though I have HBO Max, that's one I'd splurge on for the kids just so they could see it on the big screen. Tom and Jerry's been a, a massive outperformer in the movie theater. I'm telling you, this is a really, really strange reopening. But we're pulling for the companies. I hope you are. Um, so I, I guess at this point in time, we're just going, please, please, please don't get sick. Please don't reopen too fast. Because I don't want to go through this again. Um, Israel found another variant of COVID. And the Pfizer-Moderna shots are effective against it. So a lot of the good news has fallen into place. Why is the Wall Street at all-time high? Wall Street doesn't give a guaranteed all-time high every year. It does hit all-time high 7 out of 10 years, and it's been pretty darn nice for investors. But there's no guarantee on a day-by-day basis, right? There's a lot of IPOs floating in the market right now, so it's getting oversaturated with opportunities. Spotify is moving into live audio. Very interesting move. One of the things I do on my show is I talk a lot about technology trends and social media changes. Chad talks about preserving wealth. I talk about creating wealth. You can always find me online, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. on AM 1220 KDOW. Rob Black and your money. But listen to Chad Tuesdays and Wednesdays here on KDOW. New Focus on Wealth with CFP Chad Burton. Find him online at chadburton.com.